Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of River City Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Our mission is to awaken people to the transforming presence and power of God's love. To find out more, visit rivercitychurch.com and thanks for listening. All right, let me, uh, let me pray. We'll be in Luke 14, 7 through 11. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for your people. We pray that you will be with us as we Discuss the inspired scriptures. And we want to place our faith. We can listen to the scriptures or we can listen to the scriptures with faith. So we pray that you'll help us to renew our minds even now, place our faith in the fact that your word is eternal and true. In your name, amen. You think about it, there really is no such thing as up. You ever looked at a globe? Right? So the earth is round. Newsflash, right? <laughs> earth is round. Okay? So depending on where you are, if the earth is round, so this isn't round, this is a cylinder. But depending on if you're here and you go up, or you know, if you're on another continent and you're here and you go up, right? Up, but if you're down here on the globe, like that's up. So up is really defined by like the gravitational pull, right? Right? Terrified. I'm like terrified that I'm like if they didn't understand that, I don't know what to do. All right. (laughs) This is the color blue. All right. So up is defined by gravitational pull towards towards the earth. So it's interesting to think about, like, even when you're praying, like, heaven come down, and God, we want your, we're really just, whatever that means in the way that we understand it, we're praying for heaven to invade the space when we use that language, because when you're floating around in outer space, you're not really north, south, east, west, like, you're, you're, you're in space, like, truly, there is no up. And we're doing the series backward. Uh, the series is called Backward, and the reason that we named it Backward is because uh, it seems like the kingdom of God is the opposite of the way that makes sense. It seems like the way that we would logically or practically or um, just assume that we should do things, and, and, and it may be very much the case in like worldly wisdom, like common shared 
practices. This is the way that this should work. Jesus would often, and the scriptures often, speak to those things in the exact opposite direction than what it seems would be logical or would make sense. So, in a sense, in the kingdom, sometimes what seems up is down and what seems down is up. But what I want to talk to you about today is that in the kingdom, according to Jesus, the way up in life is down. So Luke 14, 7, this is Jesus at a party, fairly distinguished party that he had been invited to. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Like musical chairs. Like at that point, by the time the host comes to you, there's nothing left. So you have to take whatever you can get, which at that point, if everyone's scurrying for the front, is going to be the end. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of the other guest for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, Where he's headed with that is bigger than the party, right? He tells these parables and these examples to get us to understand what's happening. So where he was moving with that all along was the last verse. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I really used to pride myself, which I've already given you an indicator that this was negative, right? I really used to pride myself on being a make it happen kind of person. Like I can figure this out. I can do it. Whatever it is, I can make it happen. I can get it done. Where's the challenge? Like it's, it's, if I, if I, if we have, if I have vision for it, we, we can do it. I really used to pride myself on that. And God graciously, I've shared this with you guys in many different iterations over the last year and a half, but God graciously because I still, I, I had a heart for him, even though I was so into, wanted, in many ways, wanted to be so independent of him and just wanted him to bless what I was wanted to do. Uh, I still had a heart for him, you know? So he graciously allowed me to reach a point where I felt like I don't know how to make it happen anymore. Even my motivation for that and my, all this ambition and drive that I had feels empty. Like I don't, ha- I, I don't have that anymore. And I remember going through a season where that scared me. Because I was like, that was my gas. Like, what am I going to run on? And of course, the spirit begins to replace that with new and better and more beautiful and sustainable motivations than just ambition. But I really prided myself on being a make it happen kind of person. And he was gracious to pull the reins on me. Now, listen, here's what's interesting about what we're talking about today. There is a way of self-exaltation and it seemingly works. 
Okay? There is a way of self-exaltation. And it seemingly works. Like there is a way to do the things that need, that, that need to be done to uh, move forward and move higher in the way that the world works. So a few examples of this. Dog eat dog, right? If you're willing to do that, you will move forward most of the time. I don't want to lie about that. Like, that's the truth. You can get ahead that way, okay? Burn the candle at both ends. Work 80-hour weeks. Live on Red Bull all day and pills and alcohol to go to sleep. Live in front of the camera. Become a social media influencer. I'm not assigning any morality to that. I'm just saying if you work hard enough at that, you can, you can get it. Sacrifice relationships and family for success. Okay, um, marry someone just to move forward. If your ambition is attached to family and all that, I'm saying all that, like that's a good thing. But if your if your sole ambition is attached to family, you can just marry someone just to move forward. You can take on debt you can't man- manage just to have more. Okay, so you can get ahead in the way that the world works. You just have to be willing to let it cost you, and you have to. You have to ask yourself, are you willing to let it cost me the things that it's going to cost me? Obviously, I'm arguing against that this morning, but I want to be clear. When you look around and you go, well, these people aren't honoring the Lord. Why are they so successful? There's a way to do it. The path is there. The problem with success the world's way is how do you sustain it? And success, I want to use such a blank, like all-encompassing term for whatever that, however that strikes you this morning. Problem with success the world's way is how do you sustain it? More. More. You have to do more, you have to be more. It has to cost you more. More, more, more. Okay? So those who humble themselves will be exalted. Peter wrote this. There were some difficulties happening in a church, and Peter's, or maybe multiple churches, and Peter was writing some of the younger leaders in the church and some of the more established senior leadership in the church. And he was speaking specifically to some of these younger leaders that were questioning um, the wisdom of some of the older leaders. And he says this, uh, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. He's telling these younger leaders in the church, don't push your way to the head of the table. Don't push your way to the head of the table. Humble yourself before the Lord so that he can raise you up in due time, in his timing. St. Augustine, who we, we have the name St. Augustine, uh, from this guy, okay? Do you wish to rise? Begin by descending. You plan a tower that will pierce the clouds, lay first the foundation of humility, okay? Do you plan to, uh, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to see the Lord do great things through you? I'm an advocate of that, okay? But first lay the foundation in humility. So why do it this way? I think it's a fair question. Why, why humble myself before the Lord 
which feels risky and takes faith and feels vulnerable so that I can trust that he will raise me up in due time. God will never position you beyond his favor and anointing. Okay? I heard a pastor say this, an older, much wiser than me pastor, say this uh, about five years ago, and I I never lost it. It was something I needed to hear at the time, and I never lost it. He said, uh, the biggest bummer in the world, it's not a quote, he said it this way, okay? He said, the biggest bummer in the world is for your influence to exceed your anointing or God's favor, God's grace on your life. Okay, the biggest bummer in the world is for your influence to exceed your anointing because people show up needing something and all you have to give them is yourself. And that just flipped a switch in me. Like God, even as, you know, you see a lot of pastors fall, right? Like these giant falls from these huge things. And I just have to ask myself, I don't like to shoot, you know, take shots at people who do what I do. But I just have to ask myself, Lord, like, did their influence exceed what, did you give them all of that influence or did they go take it? And that can happen in any realm of business, uh, online, you name it. If the influence comes from the Lord, right? If it's from him, then he's given you grace to walk in for it. He's given you what you need to sustain it. If you go get it and you take it and you, and you go get it the way that the world works, you can't sustain it unless you continue to fill with more and more and more, which will eventually crumble because you don't, his, his, his hand's not on it, okay? So when we rush to the first chair, we overkick our coverage, okay? I love the story of Moses and the Israelites because God promises Moses success, okay? This passage where, where Moses and the Lord are going back and forth, God actually tells Moses, you're going to move forward and you're going you're gonna to beat the Amalekites. Uh, they all ended in I-T-E-S, most of them. You're going to have victory over all of them and you're going to move into the promised land. I'm going to send an angel before you. Okay, this is the interaction between the two. And then he says, the Lord says to Moses, but I'm not going to go with you. Because there's just been too much disobedience among the people of Israel. So I'm not going to go with you, but I'm going to send you. I'm going to give you what I said you could have. You're going to have success. You're going to have, uh, you're going to defeat all these other armies and you're going to move into the land that I promised you. And Moses turns back to the Lord and says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. Because how will, how will the world know that we're your people if we're not hosting your presence? Okay, and I think about that when I think about River City Church. When I think about us, I'm like, God, I don't. I've kind of lost this place where, I, and this is just side notes, right? But I've kind of lost this desire to be like, God, what does it look like for us to build something? I'm like, God, what does it look like for us to host you well? We want to host your presence, Lord, because if, how else will they know that we're your people? How else will we be distinguished from the world unless we host your presence? So think about that for your own life. Um, So how do I know I can trust God enough to humble myself before him? My answer to that is God is humble.
How do I know I can trust God enough to humble myself before him? God is humble. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I call this a divine humility because it is a poor thing to strike our colors. That's older English for, you know, like wear God's jersey. Strike our colors to God when the ship is going down under us. A poor thing to come to him as a last resort, to offer up our own when it is no longer worth keeping. If God were proud, he would hardly have us on such terms. But he is not proud. He stoops to conquer. He will have us even though we have shown that we prefer everything else to him and come to him because there is nothing better to be had. He allows us to exhaust every single other option that might possibly be better than him, that promises to be better than him. And then as we all have many, many times over, we turn back to him and we say, I don't know why I thought that was going to be better than you. And the Lord humbly says, well, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. He's not proud. Romans 5 says that while we were still, this is the way God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not this is how God showed his love for us, and that if we promised to do better, he would die for us. This is how God chose to show his love for us, and that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Philippians says that Jesus did not consider equality with God, his God powers, as, as something to, to, that he wanted to operate in here. So he came here and operated as a man. He was born here, right? That's what we talk about during Christmas. He was born here. It's called the incarnation, which is incredibly humbling. Incredibly humbling to have God power and not use it and be subject to sickness and subject to death. Okay? God, is not, God is not proud. He's humble. We can trust him. Okay, so what does it look like for me to humble myself before the Lord? What does it look like for us to humble ourselves before the Lord? Zechariah 4, 8 through 10, this is an Old Testament passage about this guy that was uh, prophesying about the temple being rebuilt. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Don't despise small beginnings. I've had this prayed over for me before at different times in my life. Okay. Don't despise small beginnings. If you're starting something new, if you sense that a season has changed in your life and you're supposed to move in a different direction and you thought it was all gonna happen overnight and it didn't, don't despise what the Lord is doing. The Lord rejoices to see you cooperate with the work beginning. He rejoices to see you cooperate with the work as it begins. So don't despise small beginnings. Um, Joseph had a dream and his life was very different than that dream for a very long time, Joseph in the Old Testament, okay? Uh, David was anointed king when he was, a, you know, a teenager and then ran for his life from the king 
for years. So, yes, something amazing was spoken over him, said over him. There was a, there's a confirmation of something that was going to change, but it wasn't immediate. So don't despise the small beginnings. Don't let that steal your faith that God is still working, okay? The second one is this, humbly submit to God's timing. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Um, I think I've shared you guys this before, but uh, you can confuse the season that you're in. Uh, there's been times in my life where I thought I was in a season of productivity, but I was in a season of preparation. Okay? The old, uh, it's, it's, too, it's too easy of an example, but I, I thought of it as I was writing this. The old karate kid, remember how he despised like the whole cleaning the car, wax on, paint the fence, all that stuff? And then you find out a month later that what he thought was, he, I'm supposed to be productive right now. I'm supposed to be learning something. What he thought was nothing was a season of preparation for what he was going to need later, right? So you might be in a season of preparation, but don't misread it. So if you're humble, if you're humble before the Lord, you're trusting in his timing. And then the last thing is this, pray for favor and pray with faith. Pray for favor and pray for faith. God, give me favor in this situation. I pray this over my children. Okay? I pray this over my children. Not that they would be uh, seen as more special than other people's children. That's not the idea. The idea is in the spirit realm, I want God's hand to be with them. I want him to go with them. I want them to find favor in their interactions. I want God to open doors for them with other children. I want God to open doors for them uh, to, to influence and serve and, and be uh, all, that, all that the Lord has for them. So I pray that over them. I pray that blessing and that favor over them. Um, and then I pray with faith. Say, God, give me favor with my boss. Give me favor in this interaction. Please go before me. And then you pray with faith, okay? Now, we made a shift towards talking about faith a lot more last fall. And I don't know about you guys, but I have felt like through the holidays and all this that I have been in a, just a battle for my faith. Not, not do I believe in God, not do I want to follow Jesus, but I've had to continually renew my mind, okay? So I will just accept... Um, oh, this is how it is, or this is how it's going to be, or this is the way that this is going to be, or I heard about this, or I heard about that. Jocelyn and I had a very real moment in, like that last night. My brother-in-law, who lives in Orlando, uh, we received a text that he was in a very bad car accident. And we ended up seeing footage from someone who was at the scenes. They had a dash camera that showed the footage of his accident. And guys, it's one of those things that you, if you were just surfing the internet and you watched it and you were detached from it, you go, that's one thing. But when someone you love and care about in that vehicle, it was really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. So last night we just had all these questions and we had to decide how are we going to hear this? Okay. How are we going to receive this? Are we going to receive this as, oh, well, we just hope for the best. Just hope that nothing's wrong. He's got four children. He's married. There's all these people that he influences. He's a leader in his church. Okay. So what we ended up finding out, this, we decided to, we had to renew our minds and we decided to pray with faith. We decided to hear that not in, well, whatever happens, happens. Okay, God, we're surrendered to you. But we decided to hear that through the lens of faith and say, no, God, we're going to lean into this and pray, even though we have very little information. Well, it just so happened in this instance, we found out this morning, if you saw the video, this makes no sense. He had no broken bones 
And there was a church celebration that was happening for breaking ground, and he was going to be there this morning. He was in the ER till 12 o'clock last night. So that's a celebration right there, right? So yeah, his name's Rob Allen. You can thank God for that. So as you think through what it looks like um, with the things that you've been leaning into and the things that you've been praying for, God, what do you have for me next? What do you have for me? Maybe you want to move forward relationally. Maybe you want to move forward with a family. Maybe you need to move forward in your career. Maybe you thought you took two steps forward. You ended up taking three steps back. It seemingly does not make sense. You humble yourself before him. You don't despise these small beginnings. And then you say, Lord, I want to do this the way that you want it, meaning I'm going to push on every door that I can. I'm going to get out there. I'm not afraid to do what needs to be done, but I'm ultimately submitted to your way. Uh, you, bring, uh, you, you, you bring the promotion. You bring the next thing. You, you're the one that leads me into the next season, and I want you to do it so that I know that I received it from you and that I didn't just go try and take it. Okay? Let's stand. Cole's going to come up in just a minute and lead us in a time of prayer ministry. God, we thank you that your kingdom is backward. We thank you that the way that you do things, Jesus, they always require us to believe. They always require faith because otherwise they don't make sense. So for the people that are in this room right now, and they're looking at 2022, and we all thought we were going to move forward more than we have with this recent surge of uh, the virus. But God, with everyone in this room that's still holding on to things that they're asking you for, and where there's the temptation to come in and the enemy to trick our, you know, trick our minds and, and let us become more entitled or more um, frustrated or prideful or discouraged and down for all the things that we're leaning in for. God, I pray that you'll continue to renew our minds with faith and let us continue to pray, continue to move forward continue to step out, and continue to believe. In your name we pray, amen.